And we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Black Top Podcast. We just got off our own little all-star break, so you know we're excited to talk about ball. Now, got my boys with me. How y'all doing? I'm good, DJ. I'm back from the all-star break, our own little all-star break. Obviously, a lot of shit happened during that, during that time. Like, the actual all-star weekend we didn't get to talk about. But I'm sure we're going to get to chop it up during this episode. What's going on, Chin? Chin be frozen. Chin, if you're saying stuff, you're frozen right now. <clears throat> oh, Doing all right? He's back. Um, yeah, I mean, basketball. I'm frozen? I think you're good now. Oh, wait. Oh, it was like, it was like, like in and out. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, well, we're one take Drake out here, yo. One take, yo. <laughs> one take. Just keep it going. Oh, we're good now. We're good now. All right. My bad. My bad. I don't know what's going on with my Wi-Fi. But, um, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm doing night. Uh, basketball has obviously been in an interesting place right now. Like, I think there is a lot of different takes to be shared. And I don't, at this point, I don't think anything's like a bad take. Um, but yeah, solid, solid. So, what we gonna do? We do our little intro spiel. We got our takes, as well as how we're feeling about our respective teams post deadline. After that, we're gonna talk about the playoff picture. It's crazy. There's less than two months left in the regular season. It's playoff time, baby. I'm excited. And from there, the whole genesis of why I started this podcast. We got the Blacktop Showdown. We got a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. So, for our takes, I guess I'll start. So. I'm going to give another homer one here. This one's been very close to my heart for the last little bit. It is that I believe that the most improved player award will slash should be renamed the Giannis Antetokounmpo award once he retires. I think just the notoriety and just the whole the whole genesis of when you hear that name definitely gives rings of most improved. I mean, think about it in his own book. Everybody, nobody really thought Giannis was going to break out to be an MVP. That's why they drafted Jabari Parker second. You know what I'm saying? Could have had Joel Embiid, but I digress. So, I do believe that the Giannis Antetokounmpo Award will happen one day. Because, I mean, I think it's all considering that, you know, God rest his soul. You know, the Kobe Bryant Award is a thing now. You know, I think we live in a time where, you know, Basketball is just moving so forward and there's so many different guys that are making their impact that, you know, it's time to switch up with some of the names here and there. But yeah, what y'all think? I don't know. You know what? You kind of sold me on the idea at the end because it's like Giannis as the most improved player, like the award named after him actually makes a lot of sense because, dude, look at how he's blossomed, right? He came from a project kid. 19-year-old, skinny little twig into the dominant force that he is. And, like, you mentioned the Kobe Bryant All-Star Award. I think it makes sense to, like, call the different awards after a certain player who's dominated that or, like, who's been notoriously known as that player for such a long time. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to a six-man award being called the Jamal Crawford Award. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a great idea. The MVP one, that's a tough one. Because, like, there have been so many great players. Like, you could give it to LeBron. Obviously, you could give it to Mike. I mean, those are the two guys that stand out in terms of the award. The Defensive Player of the Year award, I mean, that could go to, like, three or four different guys from, like, Gary Payton to, like, 
um, Dwight Rudy, Howard Rudy. want it. Like Rudy Go. How many times does he want it? Twice, right? Three times. Uh, no, yeah, three. I think three. one more than he ties the record. That's what I'm saying. Like you could very much give it to a guy because like he's dominated that category for so long more than anybody else. So I'm pretty sold on the idea, actually. Oh yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it, it kind of brings like a humanistic feel to the NBA at the end of the day, just because obviously these terms are like, like I understand from like I mean not to go on a ramble, but from a marketing standpoint, it, and I understand why it's called a MVP award and not like the Michael Jordan award because you know for some reason there's somewhere some person out there under a rock that doesn't know who Michael Jordan is maybe, um, but yeah, I mean like it kind of brings like an homage and reason as to why like the NBA kind of still exists. And it's because of these people kind of paving the way in these certain sections. Like I think like how uh, we've been mentioned, like the Jamal Crawford award, that sounds, that sounds fucking dumb. Like I, I, I think I'd be more inclined to like how to follow those races a little bit more. Like if I knew it was the Jamal Crawford. award, No doubt. And I, I, I will say, I think Lou Williams might deserve some, uh, potential there's a potential there to have that be like yeah you know like can you imagine the lemon pepper lou award that's that's a debate on its own for sure true true but yeah that was my take all right do any of y'all want to spearhead this next one or should Um, should i do like some powerpoint oh go ahead christian i can share my take i think uh my take for the day is that um I mean, maybe it's not a hot take. Some to some, I think it is, but I think Demar Derozan is like, like borderline, like top two for MVP race right now. Um, and I, I think that comes in consideration of like how far the Bulls have come, like in terms of like from last season, obviously to now, and how he has literally come onto the team and like elevated the team to the next level, like. I know Vucevic came in last season or like mid last season. Um, and then they've obviously brought in Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Um, but that being said, I think DeMar DeRozan, everyone's obviously seen his numbers and how he's um, breaking the record of Wilt Chamberlain for most 35 plus point games over 50%. Like that's unreal numbers. And he's, he, I'm pretty sure he's still keeping the streak going right now. Um Oh, no, no, no. I think it ended last yeah. game. Yeah. It ended last game. Okay. Um, but regardless, I think, like, I don't know. Like, obviously, everyone has, like, Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid up there because they, they fill the stats. But I think in terms of influential players, like, he is having, like, I think the most influential season of all the MVP candidates right now. Um, so I think he's top two. That's kind of my opinion, though, for the day. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good take. I you know what that conversation's been had throughout all of the media, like DeRozan being an MVP candidate for sure. He deserves to be in the in the conversation. Does he deserve number one? There's very much a case that could be made. Like the streak, the fact that the entire the whole Bulls Bulls roster has been unhealthy since the beginning of the year. Right, like they've been unhealthy. Like Patrick Williams was supposed to be a huge part of the rotation and. And he was going to be that guy that he was he was going to be the OG Ananobi of that 2019 Raptors team, right? Or that 2020 Raptors team. It's supposed to be the defensive glue guy. 
you know, who can, you know, defend all different positions because you have a fact, because of the fact that DeMar, Levine, and Vucevic are negative defenders. And he was supposed to be the guy that put that together. Correct me if I'm mistaken, the Bulls are a positive defensive team. They've been missing a lot of their best players, the best defensive guys, and DeRozan is carrying this team, and he's having the best season of his career. I mean, it's, 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 and they're number one in the East. So it's like, there's, there's obviously a conversation that has to be made for me. I think Joel is going to run away with it because I don't think we've ever seen as dominant a season like this since. I mean, I mean, obviously like Giannis had a pretty good damn MVP season, but Joel's having a hell of a year. He's having a hell of a year. And we also underrate how good Jokic is just because he's not the sexy player. And I think Jokic is probably still my number two at the current moment because of how ridiculous that team is regard because, and considering their injuries, like Jamal Murray and MPJ have not played. I mean, MPJ has been injured since November and he's putting up, he's like going to be the first player to potentially average like what, 25, 14 and seven or something. I mean, he's averaging some kind of some crazy numbers, and there's a stat that I saw. I mean, just insane. So, like, as a, as a, as a Raptors fan, obviously, I would love for Demar to win the MVP and finally get his flowers. Just sucks that you know it, he's it's coming during the time that he's a Chicago Bull and not in Canada. But you know what I mean. I I I like that take though. I like that take. I can see why. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's obviously. I think it's one of those seasons too, where like. There are so many players that are playing at like a MVP level. Like, obviously, there's been numerous seasons like this where you see like tons of players contending for it. But like this year, the people who are in the top MVP race are like putting up ridiculous like stats and like just like doing different things and like breaking different records. That's hard to say who's really up there. But I definitely agree. Like Embiid and Jokic. Like I- I've seen a lot of people have this take too that they're the best players in the league right now. And- I, I also yeah. I also agree with that sentiment at the same time. I, I have to give it to to DJ. Sorry to bump in here, DJ. Like, I'll speak I'll speak on your behalf. Giannis deserves to be in the conversation too. Like Giannis is having a hell of a year. John Morant's having a hell of a year. Like Chris Paul could easily be in that conversation, and if it wasn't for the injury now. But like, there it's it's a really good year for that award, and I feel like it's because of the fact that there's such a balance and parity throughout the league now. That it's like all these guys can easily can easily be in the conversation. Yeah, shoot, no doubt. I mean, I already know. I already know who I want to win. But I will say, if there's anybody I would want Giannis to lose it to, Demar Derozan is that guy. I mean, Demar Derozan, I think, is not even undoubtedly like undoubtedly he's the most unappreciated player in this league. I feel because he's went from. A lot of people and a lot of GMs said was the worst acquisition of the trade deadline, or not the trade deadline, of the offseason, to now he's undoubtedly a top player at his position. And I think the the main thing for his case, I feel, is that they're the top, he's the top seed out of all like these guys we're naming. Uh, they're technically second right now, but yeah, I mean, I love Jokic. I love his case for it, considering that he's carried a squad of you know, a few starters here and there, but mostly, like, they're role players. But I think just them being sixth right now, and I don't think there's that much room for them to climb unless MPJ, like, comes back smoking hot. So I will say 
if anybody go win it over Giannis, I want it to be DeMar. I mean, him and Embiid, or Giannis and Embiid are putting up similar numbers, and they're like the two, it's like the two-headed race for the scoring title right now. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love Embiid and all, but, you know, Giannis got that ring. Giannis got two MVPs. Giannis has a DPOY. And in my opinion, he's significantly better on the defense compared to Joel. But again, if there's any if there's any guy I'd want my guy to lose to, it'd be Compton. And I will say, as as sad as it is for him to not win it as on Team Canada, uh, you know, Chris and I got ties to Chicago. We got a lot of family there. I will say, if he wins, I, I'm not gonna hop on a flight. But if I had the money to, I'm hopping on a flight. You know, I'd be like, yo, can I stay for a bit? Because you know, there's gonna be a celebration. Because if you think about it, he's, well, he's not really a two-guard anymore, but he did come into the league as a two. In my opinion, aside from Zach Levine, he's the best, actually not even, actually let me switch that. He is the best mid-range scorer since Michael Jordan on that team. And even you could even argue for like overall with the league. Because DeMar DeRozan is a dude that I think the main reason why everybody was saying he's buns is the fact that he can't shoot threes. But he knows that that's not his game. And even then, I think just the sheer fact that he broke a record that it was Wilt Chamberlain, who is this guy that puts up 2K-level numbers but did it in real life, I think that's crazy. And I think that's something that definitely has to be a part of the conversation. But shoot, yeah, I agree. He's, I, I think the main thing is that he doesn't do enough of uh, the other stuff to, I think, that'll lead to him getting the votes. I think when it comes to the impact you've made, the culture that you've somewhat helped change, DeMar DeRozan's definitely, you know, he's top two and he's not he's not two if you feel if you feel me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I want to add to that hot take in a sense. I feel like he De, DeMar is having a better individual season than Derrick Rose's MVP year. Because if you look at that year, Derrick Rose was incredible that year. He was absolutely incredible that year. But LeBron easily could have won that MVP. People just didn't give it to him because of voter fatigue. And that's what's going to happen to a guy like Giannis, and that's what's going to happen to a guy like Jokic. Dude, LeBron could have won the MVP all the years he was in Cleveland, too. I mean, LeBron could very well have 10 MVPs right now. But there is such thing as voter fatigue. Everybody wants a new player and a new story. And... If you look at what DeMar is doing with an unhealthy roster, I mean, I just, it's just, it's just mind boggling because when you were talking about San Antonio, you know, he wasn't able to be that kind of guy that shifted or like impacted winning. And then when it was in Toronto, a lot of the winning was always, yeah, okay, DeMar and Lowry. But this team was predicated, everybody was so focused on the fact that this team can't do anything without Lowry. And it was Lyra's team. And you kind of saw that when Kawhi left. And you and you obviously saw that, you know, when, when Tamar was out at times. But, like, I think I think he's having a single a better single season than Derrick Rose's MVP year. That's just my opinion. In my humble opinion, you know, Charles Barkley. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think like as amazing as Derrick Rose's MVP season is and as much as that'll forever be a part of NBA lore, I agree. Like as I'm not saying LeBron's my goat, 
But I think the main reason people don't give him his flowers is because it's always the thing to hate LeBron because he's always proven the doubters wrong. I mean, this is a dude who, like, as soon as he entered high school, was projected to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And he's fulfilled every everything that's ever been asked of him, fulfilled everything that's ever been expected of him. He's never been a part of, like, a major scandal, except maybe Delonte West, but, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I agree. LeBron could definitely have way more MVPs, but I I think that's the reason why low-key, it might, it might be between Joel and uh, DeMar, because those are the two fresh new guys to it. But, I mean, in my opinion, I think if Joel was healthy last year, I think he would have won it. Because of the tear he was on, that was that was yeah. insane. But yeah, that's a that's a solid take, man. I, he'll definitely get votes, but I just think again the fact that he's only really a bucket and isn't able to facilitate like he can, but not to the level that a guy like Jokic is doing. A uh, Giannis and no plan, but yeah, shoot, you got anything left to add, Chin, or should we send this to Ruben? No, that's pretty much it. We've been able to take for the day. My, mine is more of a prediction. and um, But I think Memphis is going to finish with the number one seed in the West. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so I'm going to look at the record here. The Phoenix Suns are 49-12. and 12, The Golden State Warriors are 43-19. and 19, And the Grizzlies are 43-20. and 20. And excuse me if you hear the train in the back, background. It's coming pretty soon. You hear this trainer here? Oh, no, you're good. Are we good? Wait, well, well, interrupt me if you guys hear it in the background. Yeah. So the Grizzlies are seven games behind the Phoenix Suns for the number one spot, right? They're only a half a game behind Golden State. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. I'm not gonna lie though, Ruben. I agree. I will say. It, it. I'm gonna lie. <laughs> We're just filling this shit up. <laughs> this train is taking valuable time away from us, fellas. Yeah, no, no, that fucking train. No, that we're recording the Black Top podcast. Get that podcast. thing out of here, man. Yeah, sorry, I left my window open. My room is hotter than a thing. But uh, I, okay, I have the Grizzlies finishing number one in the West. So. There's 19 games left for them in the season. Um, I think there's roughly about... I think the Phoenix Suns actually have less games left to go. And the Warriors have one game less. Both Phoenix and Golden State are on two-game losing streaks. They're both both without key players that have been a huge impact to where their records are currently sitting, right? Chris Paul is going to be out for the remainder of the season until the playoffs. Golden State, they're missing Draymond. He's he's out with a herniated disc, and his timeline is kind of all over the place. Well, the Grizzlies have just won two in a row. John Morant's coming off a 52-freaking performance. 52-point freaking performance. And they're healthy. And they're going to get Dylan Brooks back pretty soon in the fold. The way they're playing and health being a huge reason why I think this is going to be the case, I think... Memphis will finish with the number one seed. Just the way that they're playing. I mean, how do you, what do you say, like, about any NBA champion? I mean, kind of everything has to fall right into place with a little bit of luck. Right now, they have the luck all on their side. Barring, 
you know, obviously any injuries that happen to Memphis for the rest of the year until the postseason. I wouldn't be surprised or like I will actually go on a limb and say I, I, I'm i 80% confident that the Grizzlies are going to finish with the number one seed. Just considering their momentum right now and the other two teams are just struggling at the current moment. I don't know what you guys think. Um, I mean, I like don't disagree with the opinion completely because I definitely see how they're kind of um, like pulling momentum as a team, and it's really easy to forget that, like, at the end of the day, like their star player is a third year star. Like, he, like, they're really pulling it together as a team. I think, um, compared to every team in the NBA right now, like, they are the most cohesive unit, um, without question. I think the only thing is, like, I could see them definitely finishing at the two seed considering how Golden State is at right now. Um, I just looking at this before we actually hopped on call, but um, it does say like in terms of like the cumulative like opponent records, like that Phoenix has the third easiest schedule to finish the year. Um, that being said, they are like obviously they have holes right now with uh, it's Chris Paul right that is out, so um, it's hard to say like even with an easy schedule like Chris Paul is like like the unit of the Phoenix Suns, so. I could I, I see the take happening for sure. I think if I were to give it a percentage though, it's more like 40, 60 for me. 40, it does happen. But I I don't disagree with the take for sure. Yeah, for me, I think I can see it happening. Uh I just think, yeah, I mean, I'm a Bucks fan. I we I all I mean Ruben's a Raptors fan. We all know about the fact that you gotta be lucky to win a chip. That's undoubtedly like fact but yeah i mean the grizzlies i mean i know i said they're like this year's hawks but i think i mean with the run they're really on they're they're in the league of their own i think there's nobody except memphis fans that could have predicted that they'd be the third seed at this point and i think with again all the factors reuben raised up with health all the chips you know They've got pocket aces. Everybody else is playing with, like, you know, lower pairs here and there. Like, they got good hands, but, you know, the pocket rockets, that's that shit right there. But, shoot, I mean, John Moran's playing at an MVP level. He had back-to-back career highs. I think the game before the 52-piece, he had, I think, 46, and that was a new career high. But he's just playing at a level that, in my opinion, I think it... Oh, I don't... A lot of people go go flavor for this, but I think... He's playing better than MVP Derrick Rose in a sense. And I think that the way that this team is constructed, because, I mean, Desmond Bain's a dude who's in the debate for MIP. Zaire Williams, I think, is really starting to come into his own. Dylan Brooks is one of the best defenders in the league, in my opinion, at the wing position. It's a deep-ass team. Yeah. Brandon Clark, he's got one of the top PRs in the entire league, and he doesn't even get that much play time. You know, that's our Vancouver boy. So Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh like, yeah, the dude, the dude the dude would have been the dude if it wasn't for the fact that there were so little all-star spots, Jaron Jackson definitely deserved to be an all-star. Oh, he definitely, star. yeah, no doubt. And they have Steven Adams, who is obviously one of the best vets, one of the best big men in the league in terms of what he does in his role. I mean, that's a 10 D team. And John Morant, not really a hot take, but he's a DeMar DeRozan of the West. No doubt. Like he's completely changed the culture of, of, of that Grizzlies franchise. 
He's playing in a small market team. The dude's embraced it completely, and he's a marketable star. Like, all of those factors put together, like, this is, I mean, it's, I, you said Hawks. I think they're very much, like, the dark horse contender to win the title this year. Yeah, if they end up in the finals, I, I, I wouldn't be super surprised. But shoot, man. This is just more ammunition for us as Vancouverites, even though we're not really from Vancouver, as we always say. If this Sorry. team was in Vancouver, whoo, uh, I know we love all our teams, but man, I'm buying fucking season tickets. But yeah, man, I think they have all the metal. They have all the they have all the characteristics of a young team that is really hungry against a bunch of teams who are you know starting to age out. Because I mean. As amazing as Steph Curry is, he's on the wrong side of 30. As amazing as Chris Paul is, he's on the wrong side of 30. And I think that the one thing that experience can't like triumph is that youth. And I think that them coming into the playoffs, you know, kind of wide-eyed. I mean, they had a taste last year with the Utah series. And now they're like, the way they're playing right now, you know, it's like, you guys ever see, you guys know who DK Metcalf is? The yeah, super cool. big wide receiver. He's like 6'4", 230. He runs a 4'3". There was like a meme where it was like him as like a regular shirt. It's like, oh, I'll have her home by nine. And then it's him with who literally looks like he could compete in Mr. Olympia, but he runs 4'3". It's like, she calls me daddy too. I think that's literally the energy the Grizzlies are playing with right now. Yeah. But yeah. No, yeah. I definitely could see them going all the way and i don't think anyone would be surprised about that like i think the fact that they've yeah like they've had that taste of the playoff like run um i think this team is more reminiscent of that like mvp year derrick rose team than anything like not even like the like atlanta hawks anymore because i think the thing about the hawks last year is that they kind of came in underrated but this team i think is now not like underrated but they're like severely underrated you know like they are like at a point where they're like good enough to like kind of compete and i definitely agree like the youth on their team like can definitely outplay like a lot of the like tougher teams like in their uh conference and i mean we've seen what age does to the lakers um this season so like i i think youth is the the new move in the nba right now to be honest. No doubt, no doubt. Those were all super solid takes. They're nice variety, and I like that. So, how are we feeling about our teams, y'all? I think, uh, let's go in the order of seeding right now. So, at the seventh spot, we got the Raptors. Ruben, how you feeling about your boys post-deadline, post-All-Star break? Yeah, I mean, I was pissed at first, considering... There was a there's a need for shooting, there was a need for a center, and there was a need for a guard to alleviate the stress of Fred Van Vliet's minutes. We didn't get none of that. We didn't get none of that. We got Thaddeus Young. We got ten dudes on this roster that are six nine that can do all the same things. Now, I've been proven wrong a little bit because Thad Young's been a really nice addition for the team. And he actually kind of fits what they're trying to do both on both ends of the floor. So I'm pretty happy about his acquisition. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy where they're at. They're, they just copped two wins against the lowly Nets without Fred and without OG in the lineup. So, I mean, granted, the Nets are also without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the lineup. So, 
you know, it's a bit of a minus out here. And, and I I take the Raptors role players and the Raptors guys. I mean, they're they're pretty much top heavy and they still have Pascal Siakam, who in my eyes, an all-star this year. Um, so I like what they did. And I think the best acquisition was the non-acquisition, but just the reintroduction of Malachi Flynn in these last two games. I mean, Malachi Flynn to end off last season when the trade deadline passed, he was given a lot of reins. Kyle sat out a lot of games. Fred almost uh, Fred finished the game sitting on the bench. And Flynn showed that he was an NBA prospect. These last two games, the dude's been having trouble all season long finding time with Nick Nurse. He's been in Nick Nurse's doghouse. And like many Raptors fans know, Nick Nurse is pretty stubborn when it comes to players and, and, and um, you know, who he plays and who he opts to sit for a while. And there's a good chance he gets stuck in the doghouse and Fred goes down and an opportunity opens and Malachi Flynn comes out and performs. So now he's gotten himself into a level where it looks like when Fred is back, you have an adequate guard who can alleviate time for about 15 to 18 minutes a game. who can score the ball. who can make plays and obviously defend. Um, obviously not to the level that Fred does, but I mean, if you can get that adequate production, and that I impact on the defensive end. I mean, the best acquisition sometimes is just development within your own team. And I think that's why this team also opted not to make those many acquisitions because they really believe in this young core group of guys. The oldest, oldest guy on this roster is Thad Young. If you take Thad Young off this roster, I think the Raptors have, one, have, if I'm not mistaken, the youngest roster in the league just because of the averages. So, I mean, this team's currently sitting seventh. They just beat the Brooklyn Nets, meaning they're now three games behind. Brooklyn's now three games behind Toronto. Toronto's about a game and a half behind Boston. And I'm liking their schedule. I'm liking the way that it's going to finish out for them. And, um, you know, the fact that you have Thad Young, who's a veteran, who's actually going to play for this team. And then you have, you add in the guy like Malachi Flynn, um, you know, who can actually, you know, present some, some minutes and, and save time for Fred. I'm happy about it. And again, I think we have to temper expectations this year because it's supposed to be a development year. And I think they just accelerated their growth. Um, no one expected them to be a, a playoff team. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Uh, my, my tune changed a little bit after All-Star Weekend. What about you guys? How about your teams? I think uh, Boston. Boston. We're chasing Boston right now. We're chasing Boston, Chin. Yeah, I mean, okay. Um, for those maybe listening for the first time, Boston is my team based on my default love for Jason Tatum. Um, I will say, putting this out there, you know, I'm not going to talk about them right now, but I've been following Golden State for an extensive amount of time since like 2011. So I could argue they're my team, but I don't like talking like I'm a Golden State fan because everyone's a Golden State fan. Let's face it. Anyways, uh, man, some respect on my mom, bro. <laughs> Yo, no. my mom, my mom, okay, loves Golden State. I, I love Golden State too. I really do. I, oh, I do too. I th- it's just that it's hard to be a fan of them, you know, because everyone's yeah, giving true, you a dick rider, huh? So yeah, I, I'd rather just, I'd rather talk about my boys, the Celtics. Um, honestly, they're doing really good. I mean, like, I wouldn't say they're in a place where like they made it out the trenches completely. Like they definitely showed up in the second half of the season. Um, now that we're kind of in the last stretch of the um, regular season. Um, I think the 
kind of craziest thing about them right now is that they have like the second highest defensive rating in the NBA. Um, I don't think that's like a huge like surprise, but I also think it's like kind of they're kind of a team where you would expect them to be a little more balanced. Like they have top defenders on their team, like they have Marcus Smart, they have Robert Williams, Al Horford um, has been learning to play his role again a lot more. Um, really as a kind of like interior defender put it you put up four blocks today have a moment fantasy so that was good um but um i still kind of feel like indifferent about like kind of where they stand like they have a young team um i wouldn't say they have like their championship core yet um and it's like for me i, I mean this is just how i like personally feel but I think it's a little disappointing that they have like kind of come up and down with the two J's, but they haven't found a solution. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see where like the rest of the season goes for them. I think they like could definitely be an underdog if they can pick up their offensive rating a little bit. Um, but I think it's just because like that off- I I think that that offensive rating is so low is because the two J's just still don't necessarily um, mesh that well on the floor. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but defensively, I think they're, they kind of show up as a dark horse. I think, um, if they can kind of figure out that offense and and it might be a good time for, I I mean, it's not good that a player gets injured, but to see Jalen Brown go down, it will be interesting to see how they actually kind of fix up their game. Um, because they did still end up winning the game. I believe tonight was that the game? Um, against the Hawks and the Hawks have, I believe the number one offense in the league right now. So they definitely showed up defensively. Uh, actually, no, they have the number two offense. Anyways, yeah, I think they're in an interesting position where maybe Jason Tatum can really come to form and bring them somewhere. But yeah, that that I guess that's my take. A few different takes there. Anyways, let's hear about the Bucks. <laughs> It's hard out here, man. Like, I love the construction of this team. I think Serge was a super solid pickup. I think Javon Carter is better than what Goran Dragic is right now. Since, you know, granted, he's got the veteran and the all-star, so he's got the resume for sure. But Javon Carter, I think, can be a super solid, you know, guard that helps us down the stretch here, considering that, you know, George Hill hasn't played in the last little bit. And, uh... You know, I'm. There's so much to say, but I'm gonna say it in one word: third quarter. The Bucks have been able to really, really pound teams away in the first two in the first half. I think you've seen that throughout the entire season, but it's like on the third, whenever it's third quarter time. What's supposed to be, you know, the money-making time, the clutch time, so you don't have to be forming the actual clutch time, you know what I'm saying? They've shown up short. I mean, the Nets game, that was hard to watch, because let me pull it up here so I get the exact number. 43 points. That's how many points the Bucks gave up to a Nets team that did not have KD or Ben Simmons. Granted, Kyrie Irving was on a whole other thing that night, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm making it sound like I really care about the regular season, but at the same time, I kind of don't. For me, as long as the Bucks avoid the play-in, 
I'm cool. Because I feel now that they have that championship experience, now that they know, you know, the whole grind of it. Not saying that they're coasting, because they're definitely not. But I feel that you don't necessarily need that number one seed. You don't need that home court advantage once you're coming into this season as a defending champs. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton's been in a bit of a slump. He's starting to pick it up, which is really good. Drew Holiday, though, I don't like that he's been passive these past few games. Granted, uh, with the Hornets game that just happened the other day, you know, showed up a little bit. But I think in order for the Bucks to really, not even that I don't believe that they'll repeat, but I think to just put the league back on notice. Because, I mean, Giannis is Giannis. Giannis is, you know, Giannis is guaranteed 30, 10, and 5 every night. That's a fact at this point. But I think with how Chris Middleton's been playing, very streaky, that's a big reason why I think a lot of Bucks fans, not me anymore, a lot of us are always quick to say, like, man, we pay this dude a max. But the thing is that Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, I think, are still the perfect players to pair with Giannis. I just think that with all these new acquisitions, there's a lot of potential. Because, I mean, Serge undoubtedly was one of the premier defenders of his generation, in my opinion, the 2010s. Granted, with back surgery, you know, those back shots, man. (laughs) Back shots, bro. What the fuck? (laughs) All right, next segment, bro. I, I love Serge. Hey, he, he, he been getting a little trigger happy for the three. I'm not gonna lie. He went like one for five this one for this one game. I forgot what it was, but <laughs> I was the Javon Carter. The Javon Carter acquisition is something that I think would be super solid. I think Javon Carter is a dude that hasn't really gotten the proper run out of any of his situations. Not that this one's gonna be any different considering the depth of our guard rotation, but. I think considering, again, that George Hill hasn't played fucking seems like forever. I think it's been like a few weeks, probably a month if you include the All-Star break now. But George Hill is definitely going to be in the the lineup come playoff time. But with Javon Carter, I think if he uses this time to really ramp up, you know, God willing that or God forbid that any of the boys go down on the Bucks team. But Javon Carter is this is a dude who has written his name into the West Virginia history books. I mean, I read a, I saw a post of like a graphic, I think it was. Yeah. And they were saying he's the best player in West Virginia history, aside from Jerry West, who's the fucking logo. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see him really, again, start to get some more minutes here and there. I think that the main thing, I just want Brooke Lopez back. He he didn't even really got to like do that much and shoot that much. I just think the presence of a guy that's 280 and 7 feet will make you always question yourself when you're driving to the paint, unless you're John Morant. But, yeah, I think this whole season I've been kind of taken with a grain of salt, especially when we've been dominated by bigs. Because, I mean, I love Bobby Portis. He went off for, like, what was it, like, eight threes in the Brooklyn game. But he got 40 feet by Joel, man. I think that as much as... The dog can carry you on the offensive end and the defensive end. You still got to play like good defense at the day to day. Granted, a lot of the shots Embiid were making were like, those are shots that out of any big man, Embiid is probably the only one that can make that. But yeah, back shots, Javon Carter, a healthy Bucks team. We're repeating this year, baby. But 
<laughs> yeah, I got spoiled. Don't say me up. Hey oh, yo. Oh well, yeah. No. I'm I'm confident, but I just need them to kind of reignite that flame in other teams that these are the boys to beat. But shoot, those were our, that was our little intro spiel. Now, if you guys don't know what the Blacktop Showdown is, here's a little uh, here's a little syllabus. When it comes to our love for basketball, you know, as much as we can say, man, I remember I used to watch Kobe, I used to watch MJ, I used to watch Dr. J even, if you're like that level. But our very first memories for most of us when it comes to grabbing a ball is not in the gym. It's on the blacktop. It's in your local, your local neighborhood park. You know, the rim might be a little crooked. I know the one at mine is. And that double rim is always going to be the bane of our existences. But for a lot of people, myself included, pretty sure you boys can test this too. That's our first introduction to the game. I mean, we learn on the blacktop. We get smoked on the blacktop. And sometimes we smoke others on the blacktop. But basically, the NBA needs to do this. They need to do a one-on-one tournament in some for, in some type of format. But this is kind of like that. So I've selected guys. I got this little book here of a bunch of NBA player trading cards. <laughs> and basically, we're going to pick our dudes. This is all random. And we're going to duke it out. We're going to say one-on-one who is winning. You know, For example, if I say Chris Paul versus uh, Donovan Mitchell, two guys who are undoubtedly elite, but you got to make the case for who's better now. We got tears to this too, though. So, because the first time we did this, it, it was a little one-sided in the fact that Christian won because he had the center. <laughs> but, yeah, now we got, we got uh, what is it, the tiers. So we have two tiers, or four tiers. Tier one is the guys who are Hall of Famers, locks for all the Hall of Fame, slash probably Hall of Fame. Tier two is the multiple-time All-Stars. I think I have it as like three plus. Tier 3 is a one-time All-Star slash elite at something. So, for example, Buddy Heels in this tier. He's not an All-Star, but you can't deny the fact that he can shoot the ball. And then Tier 4 is role players. These are guys, you know, there's no bums. But these are guys who are, you know, jack-of-all-trades, master-none kind of thing. And from that, we also have sections. Just to prevent, again, the if you got a 6-foot guard and a 7-foot center, obviously the, the center's winning. Even if the center's like Thon Maker and your guard is uh, John Stockton. So, we got, uh, I got the order right here. So, Ruben, pick a number between one and four. Three. Three. Ooh, okay. You have Jonathan Isaac. So, if you want to bring up like his, maybe not his vac stance, but his, uh, Basketball reference page, go right on ahead. Christian, one to four, but not three. Two. Two? Okay. This is going to be a nice match. You got Rudy Gay. Okay, okay. Alrighty. So, since that there's four and I already know who's going to pick, I'm going to let these boys go first round. I'll be like the little judge here and there. And then from there, considering that there's four, we have, I'm calling it the sixth man. So with the, whoever wins this, you have the option to switch to this guy. But it's not it's not uh it's not forced. 
But all right, you boys ready? Let me let me share my screen for this timer wait, thing. Wait, who does Chin have again? Chin has Rudy Gay. Okay, all right. All right, all right. Okay. Take a look at this. You guys can see this, right? Yeah. All righty. Uh, Who's in first? All right. One is Christian, two is Ruben. All right, Christian, you're first. Your minute starts. Oh, also, sorry. There's two rounds. Round one is your, you know, opening argument, you know, say your stats, whatever you need to. Round two is your rebuttal. All right, Christian, you're ready. Let's go. All right, starting in three, two, one, go. All right, so what do I know about Rudy Gay based off of these basketball reference uh, stats I'm looking at right now? So this guy is 6'8", 250 pounds. That is uh, relatively heavy for a 6'8 guy. I mean, I, I don't know where I'm going here, but I think um, with that all in consideration, averaging 16.5 on his career with the like seasons in mind he has right now where he's kind of just playing a bench role, that number could be significantly higher. He's had close to 20, average 20 uh, points per game seasons like in a row. Um, he is does have a true rebounding statistic of 5.8. Um, he's been quite a consistent shooter, just averaging 45%. Um, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, Jonathan Isaac is Jonathan Isaac, but he is only a defensive ended player. And I think on the blacktop, Rudy Gay's got the, he's got the talent. Okay, okay. All right, Ruben, representing for Jonathan Isaac in three, two, one, go. I'd like to preface this by saying Jonathan Isaac needs to get vaccinated. So, <clears throat> Jonathan Isaac is a plus defender, as he mentioned. He's a 6'11 wing player that can handle the basketball, can defend multiple positions, and he's also a career 33% shooter from the, from the three-point land. So the guy can stretch the floor, he's got the length, he's got the ability to create off the dribble, and then he can defend if he loses the possession. I really like Jonathan Isaac's uh, potential in this matchup, only because of the fact that while Rudy Gay has been known to have a pretty good bag, especially as a one-on-one player if you look at his time in Memphis, where he was uh, almost uh, almost an all-star. I really like Jonathan Isaac's ability. If it were a game of the seven on the blacktop, he's got the length, he's got the ability to defend him. And then on the offensive end, he's got the ability to create over top of him. You just got to take the guy with the bigger length, the ability to stretch the floor, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, my bad. Okay, Christian, 30-second rebuttal, starting in three, two, one, go. All right. So Ruben mentioned um, something about Jonathan Isaac stretching the floor. And I think um, that's kind of irrelevant to the fight right now. Cause I think if we were talking about like three point shooting and like who can really uh, make shots happen, I think Jonathan Isaac would not be able to create on the level that Rudy Gobert can or not Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, that being said, I think like if this were a game of like shot creating 1v1, I think Rudy Gay trumps him every day of the week. Right, all right. Ruben, your rebuttal in three, two, one, go. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue against Rudy Rudy Gay's uh, offensive bag, but the thing is, on the defensive end, Jonathan Isaac has been known to be one of the premier defenders in the league. And, you know, obviously, if it wasn't for the vaccine status, I think we would have been able to see that this year. On the offensive end, I think it is relevant in the sense that he's 6'11". So, over the average player like Rudy Gay, he can shoot over the defense. And a lot of the time, the guy with the length just has more real estate to create shots from wherever the floor. All right. I think you both brought up very valid arguments. I will say, though, got to give this one to Christian. I think bringing up, I think Ruben, Loki, I think he lost it as soon as he was like, it's hard to debate against his back. <laughs> so I will say though, no, that, that, that is a difficult one. Because if you yeah. look at Rudy's career trajectory, Rudy's like, got a bag, man. Rudy was one of the best wing players in the league at one point. Yeah, like, definitely. We, don't, we forget that. So, oh, yeah. No, yeah, no I mean, torn ACL. I think he's. He definitely has a few all stars in 2K2, man. His jump shot. Oh, his his jump shot. Oh, boys. You always use that for your bike career. But, all right. Christian. Yeah. Would you like to switch or do you want to keep with Rudy Gay? Ah, that's tough because. Okay, wait. So, if I were to switch, what what could I uh, potentially get? Okay. I'll give you the options here. So, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, so the Hawks guard, or another Hawks player, DeAndre Hunter. Okay, I'm going to stay with <laughs> Okay. I think just for the sake of fairness, I'll roll. So for one, I mean, y'all can't see it, but I mean, I ain't going to fucking cheat. One is uh, Bogdan, two is DeAndre Hunter. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> All right, same thing. Uh, one is Christian, two is me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Falls on to me. Let me set my minute here. Let me bring up DeAndre Hunter's basketball reference real quick. All right. I'm going to start in three, two, one. Boom. All right. So DeAndre Hunter is undoubtedly one of the premier defenders on a Hawks team that's pretty shitty on defense. But when DeAndre Hunter's on that floor, he's a clamper. This is a guy that they chose over another very heavily defensive game-minded player in Cam Reddish. But with DeAndre Hunter, everybody was saying that wasn't a Bucks fan. Man, if DeAndre Hunter was there, it'd be a whole different different series. And I digress. He definitely would have made an impact. But I think considering that they're both 6'8", you know, he's got the youth on his side. He go bang on Rudy Gay's old-ass knees considering that he got ACL surgery. And I just think DeAndre Hunter is a guy that is put in a lot of positions where he has to play that because he plays it with a Trey Young. And we've seen with a lot of players where if they're given that open chance, they can do a lot more. And I think DeAndre Hunter is an example of that. He's a guy that has shot the ball pretty sad or pretty solid, 38% this year. And he's a guy that, you know, go and develop. All right, Christian for Rudy Gay again. In three, two, one, go. All right, so I think the um, kind of topic of defense is intriguing to me when you look at Rudy Gay. So this is something I didn't know about him, but he's had close to 13 seasons where he's averaged at least a steal with his top five seasons almost averaging two steals. Um, So I think that in its own kind of speaks to how versatile of a player he is in his prime. 
Um, he's also Oh shit, yo, Christian, you lagging, you lagging. Hold up, hold up. Right, right, Ruben, is he lagging for you too? I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you restart once you get back. Plus, oh shit. <laughs> this goes out crazy on the audio <laughs> one, yo. He's average blocks. He plays to like center with a guy that actually Oh shit! <laughs> Damn, this shit went kaput. Oh, you back? Yo, I was on a, I was in my bag. Yo, what happened? <laughs> Yo, I heard you first. I was like, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> All we heard is two steals. Alright, can can you remake that hey, magic? Pause. Right, so, all right, you know I'm not gonna say anything. Keep going, keep going. Richard, ready. Ready for your minute? You ready? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. All right, so as I was mentioning before, um, I think it's interesting to talk about defense because it's something I didn't mention with uh, Rudy, but um, he's had close to 13 seasons where he's averaged almost all steal game with his lot, like with his top six seasons, which are almost averaging two steals per game. Um, he's had six plus seasons where he's averaged a block per game. So um, really, at the end of the day, he is like a like plus end player on both sides of the floor. Uh, we've already talked about his offensive bag, but I think it's really um, good to mention that he is a defensive minded player uh, with a six eight frame of two hundred fifty pounds. I think um, there's kind of, he kind of is like the perfect one v one player in most aspects. Um, he's had like I can't even count it here, but he's had like pretty much um, a perfect not perfect career, but he's been playing like at an offensive level, like elite offensive level forever, uh, all things considered. So I just don't think he can be beaten, at least by DeAndre Hunter. Already, 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 already. So my rebuttal in three, two, one, buying. So we're talking about defense. DeAndre Hunter, even though he's 6'8", might give up a little pounds here and there on Rudy Gay. He has a 7'2 wingspan. And for a lot of defensive players, having that, or a lot of guys who are not 7-footers, having that 7-foot wingspan is a godsend on the defensive end. Again, I think DeAndre Hunter is a guy who hasn't been able to flourish on the defensive end based on the fact that he plays on one of the worst defensive teams, but... Oh shit! That came over me quick. Oh, Damn. <laughs> Fuck. Damn. Okay. All right. I'll take my L. You never know. Ah, fuck. All right, Christian. Three, two, one. All right. At the end of the day, they have very comparable frames. Six eight. Maybe Rudy Gay has a slightly uh, shorter wingspan, but um, at the end of the day, he's had three seasons in the top twenty for steals. He's been five, had five seasons where he's top 20 in points per game. Um, in terms of active players, he's 13th in most points. Um, he is just ha- far ahead of um, DeAndre Hunter in his career currently. That's all I got to say. Hi, Ruben. Give me my W. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, 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 DJ. That's, uh, I'm giving the chin. Like, yeah. I mean, even if you look at the name of the players we listed, if we're going, if we're going 
based off right now, I might give DeAndre Hunter the edge. But if we're talking about like their primes, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay was literally an All Star caliber player. Like, and he was one of the best wing defenders in the league for a really long time, and one of the most elite offensive players at the time. Like, dude, the Memphis Grizzlies in the grindhouse with Rudy Gay, Marcus All, and Zach Randolph. Love that like, team. That team was That's fire, a good team. and Rudy Gay was a big part of the, what they did. And obviously, we had some we had some nice moments with him in Toronto for a year and a half before he got traded for Grievous Vasquez that led to our awesome twenty fourteen run. But uh, you know what? Yeah, man. I, I, yeah, Rudy Gay. Rudy, I'm sorry. You gotta go to Chin, man. That makes yeah, some good arguments. Sorry, guys. I mean, I, I just got the luck of the draw today. <laughs> no, you argued right, from very well. Though. You argued from well. Yeah, no, I, it wasn't like half-assed. I feel it was all very like Rudy Gay, that dude. I love Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is Christian. That dude. He's been that dude. He's that. Dude. Oh yeah, certified Hooper. Christian, pick a number one to four. Four. Oh. It's LeBron. No. <laughs> it's a guy I think Ruben loves as much as LeBron, Fred Van Vliet. Oh, shit. I right, Ruben, one to three. Three. Oh, this going to be nice. You have a Pelicans guard straight out of Lehigh. CJ McCollum. Ooh. Oh man, this is a matchup matchup. This is a good matchup. Okay. So we'll go one is Christian, two is Ruben. Yeah? Yep. Alright, Christian. Your minute. Let me set this up. Your minute for Fred Van Vliet, Freddie All-Star. In three, two, one, go. Alright, so. This is an interesting matchup just because Fred VanVleet obviously is the shorter man in this uh, matchup. I do think, however, he is the more versatile player. Um, CJ McCollum has always shown to be quite a hole on defense. And that's the reason he's never been a number one option. Fred VanVleet um, obviously has pretty much skyrocketed in his career and is now like a prime defender. He can make plays. And I mean, obviously this is a one-on-one, but it just kind of shows the versatility of him as a player. He's obviously like been playing at insane levels for the Toronto Raptors, and there's a reason he's been given the keys. Um, on the season, he's averaging 21.4 with uh, a field goal percentage of 41.5, which, I mean, doesn't play a huge factor into this. Um, he is a good true shooter at the end of the day. Um, I just think he is the more complete player in most aspects, um, and I think for that reason, even with height, he could definitely take on C.J. McCollum. Dang, minute on the dot. Aye, Ruben. In three, two, one, go. So I like Fred Van Vliet. Everyone knows I love Fred Van Vliet. He's as complete a player as there is in terms of both ends of the floor. But the dude's 5'11". The dude's 5'11". I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, who's, who's been known to be – I mean, he was drafted or undrafted purely because of the fact that he's a small dude. So if we're going to take it to the blacktop and you're going to go on a one-on-one scenario here, CJ McCollum is 6'3 and has been known to be one of the best offensive guards in the league. While he is a hole on the defensive end, in a one-on-one situation, Fred Van Vliet is also notoriously known for not having that great of an offensive bag. Most of his offense is generated off catch and shoots, uh, pull-ups from three, 
Um, and he's not much of his own shot creator, while CJ McCollum is. So in a one-on-one situation, CJ McCollum is the best bucket getter there could be in this matchup. Uh, okay, Christian, your rebuttal in three, two, one, go. All right, so he is actually 6'1", so I just had to clarify that. Um, I mean, maybe that's BS, but basketball reference says so. So for the sake of this argument, um, two inches is not a lot. Um, let's just be honest there. Um, I also think at the end of the day, we haven't seen the end of Fred Van Vliet. He's only played six seasons, and um, his ceiling has yet to be seen. Um, whereas CJ McCollum, at the end of the day, like is not at the tier of defense. And clearly, they're, I think they're the same offense. But 30 seconds sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. I, we might tweak it, but, you know, I think it's nice. Like, I don't want to do another minute. But Yeah, you, you got to spit. You got to spit. Yeah, you got to. You just get all your shit out. All right, Ruben, your reboodle. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so CJ McCollum is 39% from three. He's shooting 45% from the field. And seven games so far with the Pelicans as the lead guard, he's averaging 28 points a game. I mean, the dude is a bag. And alongside Damian Lillard, it's obviously going to be hard for him to dominate the basketball like he wants to, being overshadowed by Dame Lillard. But CJ McCollum is literally known as one of the best bucket getters in the game. And if he has possession, it's game. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, Christian. He, he's 6'1 in shoes. So I think <laughs> without the shoes, I think Fred is 5'11. Probably. Right? Is that what you're talking about, Ruben? Yo, okay. I was there in training camp, and I stood beside Fred. The dude is barely taller than me. Oh, yeah. He's not 6'1. <laughs> Fred's barely taller than me. He's he's taller than me, but he's barely taller than me. All right. He's really, I'm just going to put that out there. My argument's done. I'm just saying. I've had first-hand experience one in, with Fred. It's one in the shoes. That's all that matters, bro. It's one in the shoes. <laughs> uh, all right. I got to give that one to Ruben. I think I think even though Fred Van Vliet's definitely got a developing bag, CJ McCollum has a pretty deep bag. He does. All right. Ruben. Would you like to switch? Your options are either Terry Rozier or Seth Curry. Are you going to stick with uh, CJ McCollum? Yeah, I'm going to stick with CJ. Terry's a nice one, but I'll stick with let's stick Okay, with, okay. Uh, stick with CJ. All right, let's see here. So one is Terry, two is the best Curry. That dude? Okay, all right. Uh, Seth Curry. All righty, all righty, all righty. Okay, one will be Ruben, two will be me. All right, here, Ruben, you're first. Your minute again. Who do you have again? I have Seth Curry, the best Curry. Oh. All right, Ruben, in three, two, one, go. Okay, let's get into our, our, our box here, into our white box. Let's imagine, let's all close our eyes. Let's put Seth Curry and CJ McCollum in a one-on-one situation. I'll give you guys 10 seconds to think about that for a second. Yeah, so CJ McCollum is a bucket getter. Uh, you know, obviously, if he wasn't overshadowed by Damian Lillard, I think he would have a much bigger and better career. And you're seeing him thrive a little bit as a lead guard in New Orleans, as I've said in the previous argument. 
I mean, the guy can score from anywhere. Seth Curry is a negative defensively. I mean, it's hard to it's hard for me to describe the visual game that CJ has. His ability to create off the dribble from anywhere on the floor. I mean, he's got one of the most beautiful and underrated bags. I think it's right up there with the likes of a Kyrie Irving. Hot take at the end there, to be honest. Hey, with you. That was a very hot take, but all right. Uh, I give it for Seth Curry in three, two, one. Bang. Seth Curry, pound for pound, is the greatest shooter to ever live. He's got a better three-point percentage than Steph. And this is a dude who made it out the who made it out the G League. This is a dude who's been grinding. This is a dude who's a dog. He represents everything you want in a blacktop player. Can shoot the ball? Hell yeah. Is a dog? Hell yeah. Now, when it comes to defense, I'm not going to lie. I'll give you that. But if Seth has ball, all he needs is two threes. And even, and then if anything, CJ bites on that pump fake and he drives it right to the hoop. Now, Seth Curry is a guy who started out his career you know, on a bit of a slow turn, but He's developed into one of the premier guards when it comes to shooting. And I think him coming from that bloodline, you can't really bet against that bloodline when it comes to shooting the ball. Even even they're saying, uh, what's her name? Aisha Curry. Aisha Curry got a bag when it comes to shooting. Seth Curry, in my opinion, better shooter than Steph when it comes to percentages. Okay, Ruben, Ruben, Ruben. 30 seconds, eh? Ruben, Ruben, Ruben. 3, 2, 1. Okay. All right, let's... Let's put 10 seconds again on the clock here. Yeah, let's put uh, let's give CJ the ball in a one-on-one situation with Seth Curry guarding him. Let's let's imagine that for a sec. Yeah, it's pretty much game over. I mean, you're talking about CJ McCollum versus Seth Curry here. I mean, CJ has the career trajectory, the stats. He's got everything to back it up and the accomplishments as well over Seth Curry. Man, fuck this shit, yo! Know? You put the fucking shit out of me, bro. Hey, it's oh, the luck of the draw, yo. like Chin said. It's the luck of the draw. It's true, bro. I ain't even gonna fucking give him a rebuttal, bro. <laughs> the first time you did that, yo. The first time, I was like, it's just fucking over. You know? And then I doubled down on it again, right? I was a fucking alpha, yo. That. That's a talk. That's like, I'm clipping that shit later, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we just sat here, like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, DJ. Yeah, ain't no fucking debate, yo. DJ brought the argument better than Ruben. I'm not going to lie, but Ruben with the cinematic effects, I think, won it for. I'm not that lie. was the most fucking Chad thing I've ever seen when it comes to like discussing that's basketball. A, that's a Sigma male move right there. <laughs> for real, bro. <laughs> Alright, that being said, Ruben, one to four. Three. Three. Ooh. You got a nice little European player, Nemanja Bialitsa. Christian. Nemanja Bialitsa. Give me number one. Number one, oh, you got a solid player, Tory Craig. Bro, what the fuck? But I, let's see here. All right, I'll, I'll give you all a second to bring up their pages and shit. I don't need no damn page for Nemanja Bielitsa. That's what you definitely go for Tory Craig. 
Oh. Let's see here. One for Christian, two for Ruben. All right here, Ruben. Your minute starts in three, two, one, go. Nemanja Bialica, well known as the marksman from Sacramento who moved to Golden State with a nice little role out there. He's a big man, a stretch four, but can actually... As we've seen with Golden State thus far, when he gets the time to be able to play make, take defenders off of the dribble at his size is quite surprising. And he's a career 38% three-point shooter. And he's got the size over a guy like Torrey Craig. So ultimately, in my opinion, when you pay, take it to the blacktop in a one-on-one -on -one situation, size does matter. Because, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one situation the amount of ground that you can cover on the defensive end makes up for your inability to really stay in front, especially in the team defensive setting. On the offensive end, the guy can shoot over the defender. The guy can back down. He can also create for himself off the dribble. He's got a really versatile game, at least in comparison to Tory Craig. Shaplam. I Christian for Bucks legend, NBA champion, Tory Craig. In three, two, one, go. All right. So, obviously, Torrey Craig is one of the most mundane guys in the NBA. Let's just get that straight. I'm going to be honest. But I do think in a blacktop setting, considering he's actually 6'7", and it's not really far off from a big man, I think in a big in a blacktop perspective, I think he is definitely the more shiftier player in this uh, kind of scenario. He does have a two-point percentage rating, I guess in his best season of 60%. So, you know, the time he is on the floor, he is very efficient. Um, and that is from like the mid range where, you know, most of the black top is played. Um, that being said, he's also like a per 36 in terms of um, defense. He is a positive player averaging both pretty much a steal and a half and a block and a half. Um, so I do think like as much as Bializzo has a uh, size on him, he definitely doesn't have anything else on him in terms of statistics. And I think, um, you know, if I were to choose a person to play as, I would choose Troy Craig. All right, Ruben. 30 seconds. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, so <clears throat> offensively, Nemanja Bielitsa's best season in Sacramento was actually the 20th, uh, 2020 season. He averaged 11 points per game with 48% from the field and 41% from the three-point line. So offensively, I think it's pretty much a wash at that point. Defensively, sure, he might give up a little bit of ground, but Torrey Craig's also not known for his offense. He's known as a hustle player, a 3 and D guy. And, you know, even though he's a three-point shooter, you start with possession and with a defender in your face. All righty. Christian, rebuttal. Three, two, one, go. Um, yeah, I mean, good argument, honestly. Like, I'm not going to disagree. I just think um, the biggest thing for me is that Torrey Craig, like, his per 36 numbers are very solid. Like, I pulled his per 36 numbers, obviously, as a hypotheticals because, you know, this guy puts up 12.3 points per game, like, as a, like a bottom feeder on any team, basically. Um, I just think, like, you kind of see him at kind of a five-player five level, but, ah, oh, fuck I just, you know what I'm saying. 
Fuck, man. All right. I, I will say this. The one thing about the blacktop is it don't matter who's actually better. It's about proving that. It's about saying your piece. And I think, Christian, you know, I love you at all. But all, all of your first statements were, I, you're right, you're right. But then, yeah, so granted, you know, I kind of fucked you with the Tory Craig thing. I was, I was <laughs> low-key hoping none of y'all would pick one, but, you know, say la vie. But Ruben, I, I got to give it to you, buddy. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. But I will say that the one thing I was hoping you'd say is, like, the fact that... I actually know you did mention it. Actually, no, maybe Ruben did. I don't know, but, you know, he a grinder. He a hustler. All right, Ruben, if you would like to switch, your choices are Lori Markinen. And Harrison Barnes. Give me Barnes. Okay. <clears throat> I will take Lori then. Alrighty. RNG. We'll do one for me, two for Ruben. Alright, stay at two. Okay, Ruben. Your minute for the Black Falcon. In three, two, one, go. Harrison Barnes, what else can we say about the NBA champion known as a two-way player, can shoot the ball, can post up, create on the floor, anywhere on the floor, can defend multiple positions, 6'7", he's also a big body with some good weight on him, he's obviously well-known around the league as a guy who's a two-way player, and against a guy like Laurie Markkinen, who is very limited bag-wise, he can shoot the ball, sure, doesn't have much of a post-up game, and is a negative defender. So in this case, Harrison Barnes is already the positive player in a one-on-one situation and on a team situation. And if you were to ask any random person on the street, any random casual player, casual casual fan, diehard fan, you ask them, okay, who would you like on your team, Lori Markin or Harrison Barnes? I think the Cleveland Cavaliers would even take Harrison Barnes at this current moment. So, I mean, in a one-on-one situation, you know, I like Harrison Barnes because... He's just better all around on both ends. Okay, okay. Alrighty. I will go in three, two, one, go. Alright, so everything set aside. Lori Markinen being seven footer already kind of negates the fact that Harrison Barnes will be able to drive to the hoop. Granted, you know, Harrison Barnes ain't no slouch on the offensive end, but I think with Lori Markinen. He's definitely, like, I think a little faster on the feet since they've shifted over to the small forward here and there. But this is a dude who was very underutilized in Chicago, was not played in the proper role, but starting to build a home, a little bit of a home for himself in Cleveland. Definitely one of the bright young players on that team. This is a dude who has the ability to short shoot 40% from the three-point line. I think the fact that he's seven feet, ain't no way that Harrison Barnes is going to be able to contest that effectively. If Laurie Markkinen has ball, he could just chuck that shit. Even the fact that he doesn't have a solid post game, the fact that he is a seven-footer gives him a bit of an advantage, in my opinion. As much as Harrison Barnes is the Black Falcon, Laurie, Fal- Laurie Markkinen is the Finnish marksman, and they shoot Falcons. Okay. Where's you brought out the metaphors in the last three seconds, yo. <laughs> All right, Ruben, in three... Two, one, go. Yeah, the foot speed thing is not is not legit because Harrison Barnes was a 2014 slam dunk contest participant. You're talking about a guy with, with much better athleticism there. 
Laurie Markkinen made that move to the small forward position purely because they're trying to play a very big style, which works in a team setting when you have really good defenders on the back end to save your ass on the defensive end. I think Harrison Barnes also has shown his ability to defend multiple positions. And again, in a one-on-one situation, to give Laurie Markkinen the ball, I think it's, he's going to have a tough time offensively and defensively. <laughs> Three, two, one, bang. Now, as great as Harrison Barnes is on that end, Laurie Markkinen is seven feet. Harrison Barnes ain't no fucking Vince Carter jumping over no Frederick Weiss. If Laurie Markkinen is in the paint, Harrison Barnes ain't jumping, in my opinion. Now, with Laurie Markkinen, again, he's seven feet. Much like how people are saying Katie could ever be contested, Laurie Markkinen being a legit seven feet, I don't know about Harrison Barnes being able to get a solid contest. When he lifts the ball, it's probably at about eight feet. Laurie Markkinen, the finisher. Um, damn. I mean, in my opinion, I'll give the slight edge to Ruben this time, but I'm not gonna lie. Like DJ's argument for Lauren Markman was good. I just think, you know, obviously, I, I think DJ the kind of comment you made about me earlier, like kind of pointing out Laurie's negatives, like about how he's not a post player as a side of the footer, and how he isn't like necessarily. And I, I mean, the take about him being as speedy as Harrison Barnes um, in terms of foot speed. It was a bit of a hot take. Maybe like a... Yeah, la, la, that was not it. was it. a lava take, bro. <laughs> Burn your asshole type of take. I don't know about that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good argument, though. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Uh, I think we'll skip on the, the team one, though, for this time. Maybe we'll figure that out next time. But with that being said, let me stop this here. That has been another episode of the Black Top podcast you know i am i've never won any of the black top showdowns but it's coming soon but regardless from the boys and i we appreciate you tuning in to all our current future hopefully never any past but if you're listening here we appreciate you making it this far you know drop a like subscribe follow the podcast all that stuff and yeah boys you got anything to add for me just Thanks for another great show, fellas, and uh, thanks for tuning in and our new listeners and people who stick by us. And even though it's a uh, it's, it's slow grind to get some of y'all on listening to us, we appreciate you guys, no matter who is here listening in. Follow me on all socials, RubenJRD, you know what it is. Chin, what's up with you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's dope to just kind of be having these kind of moments right now with the homies and um, to kind of share them with the people out there that are there. Um, I mean, for whoever's listening, please share the podcast. I mean, we're we're kind of like we're thugging it out right now, but we're definitely getting somewhere. And um, you know, you don't want your homies to miss out when we blow up. So, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> so, with that being said, stay safe. We will see y'all soon. Have a good one. <laughs>